We are the Narrators 3. Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 2, Episode 5, The Doctor. The original air date was October 28, 2012. The writers are the Kitsuits. The director was Paul Edwards. And the title card is in black and white and features a bolt of lightning. Overall, a very properly Halloween-y episode. So we begin our story in the Enchanted Forest as Emma, Mary Margaret, Aurora, and Mulan return to the safe haven. They come to an abrupt halt, noting the lack of sentries and eerie silence. Upon investigation, they discover everyone has been murdered, their hearts punched out of their chests. Damn, Cora, this is a serious bloodbath you left in your wake. I mean, she is nothing if not thorough. They discover Hook under a pile of dead bodies and debris. It's a hot boy, everyone. Hot boy! Hot boy! At Granny's Diner in Storybrook, Dr. Whale tells David they need to talk. David responds by punching him for sleeping with snow. I love that when David is all, that's for sleeping with my wife, Dr. Whale's all, Catherine? <laughs> because he just can't be arsed to keep up with who's who of the Enchanted Forest. I love David very much. And also, he looks very good in his over-the-shoulder holster. For real. I love Charming so much, it's fucking stupid. Like, he's just, he's too handsome in this scene. Mm-hmm. I love me a hot man that's decking a douchebag. <laughs> his need for violent retribution now satisfied, David calmly sits at a table and is ready to listen to what Dr. Whale has to discuss. Dr. Whale wants to know if rumors about David trying to build a portal to the Enchanted Forest are true, which David confirms. Dr. Whale thought the Enchanted Forest had been destroyed along with the curse. And when he discovers Regina lied, he wonders aloud if all of the realms are still intact. Charming stares at him for a moment before replying, possibly. Also have to point out the cute pumpkin decorations in Granny's right now. I found them very charming. As long as we can also point out how dumb Whale's hair looks in this scene, because I don't know what it was doing other than maybe signaling for help. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know, though, how it can be remotely close to Halloween in this town. That would imply a full year has blown by. And while Henry does have a birthday by like the middle of the season, because he will point out like he's 11 suddenly uh, or not suddenly, but like, you know, there's a shift in time, obviously. School has consistently been in session since the beginning of season one. And I think only about like seven ish months have passed. Ugh, the lack of timekeeping on this show just drives me up the wall. They've pretty much proved that they do not give two shits about having any kind of time flow because like as me and Elisa were discussing off air earlier, there was the episode earlier where it was all like snow and then there was the newspaper that was like get ready for the harvest festival. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like all the all the like, set sure. dressing. <laughs> yeah, all the set dressing points to fall. But then you're just like uh <laughs> yeah they, they have no idea the last like major event we had was valentine's day mm-hmm. yeah what did and, and it's been consistently warmer because you see people uh like their wardrobe is now switching to like lighter jackets and t-shirts and things like that yeah so especially the, like in the latter half of season one so as spring was definitely blooming so i just assumed it was like somewhere between April and May is where season one ended slash season two immediately picks up, you know? Maybe yeah. they just really like Halloween. I don't know. Time Maybe they just... weird soup. 
Meanwhile, Regina goes to Archie's office to discuss the difficulty of not using magic after abstaining from using it for two days. Archie tells her that is an excellent start and invites her in. Archie is so cute and proud of Regina. He's like beaming. I love him. He's the perfect sponsor. Regina explains that it's always been the way she's gotten everything. And he suggests it's also the way she's lost everything. And that this is now her way to earn Henry. Dr. Whale barges in and demands Regina send him back to his land, back to his brother. Regina says to check the missing board like everyone else. But Dr. Whale claims that the curse only brought over the living. Regina apologizes for his loss before revealing she can't send anyone anywhere. But Dr. Whale snaps back. Archie raises his voice and demands the other man leave his office immediately. Damn, Archie. This cricket guts a bite. Good for you, Archie. Good for you. Poor Archie. Like, this man just has the most shit job being a therapist in this absolute goddamn circus. (laughs) Archie confronts Regina after Dr. Whale leaves about the curse only bringing back the living and brings up her father in the process, to which she says she doesn't care and that she brought who she wanted. Archie explains that she needs to trust him if she wants help. Because stopping magic is a lot harder than starting. This message brought to you by Mare, Magic Abuse Resistance Education. In the enchanted forest of the past, Rumpelstiltskin is giving Regina magic lessons. They're training with the black unicorn. After Regina immobilizes the animal, Rumpel wants her to snatch its heart, just as Cora did to Daniel. Regina approaches the unicorn, but then refuses to take out its heart because she believes the animal is innocent. Rumpelstiltskin snarls, nothing is innocent. He then tears out the unicorn's heart and explains that the animal now belongs to him. Rumpelstiltskin continues to explain that once the heart is removed, it becomes an enchanted heart, which is stronger than a normal heart, and that she isn't hurting the beast but controlling it instead. He tosses the heart and demands Regina to kill it, but she can't. Rumpelstiltskin tells her to ponder what's holding her back. The scene then changes to Regina admiring Daniel in a glass casket. Damn. Narrator Chell just wants to state that the Narrators 3 do not condone any murking on unicorns, horses, or any other non-human creature in real life or any media of any kind. Rumple, you cold. We now know where Regina learned all that horse and unicorn murder in season one, episode two. She was like horse and unicorn murder crazy then. Yeah, this show sure does promote a lot of horse violence. I do not approve. Nah. No good. Like, was one of the riders like bitten by a horse or something as a child? I mean, they go out of their way to like have an entire episode of Mary Margaret rescuing a fucking pigeon, but casual horse and unicorn murder that's why i'm like did the kids have like some deep-seated horse trauma that they need to address i think so because think so. they sure keep being like horses are terrible <laughs> get that beast out of here before it kills us all because otherwise i just don't know what to tell you about why they're just like kill every horse you see because it's pretty fucked up yeah we return to storybrook back in archie's office where regina explains she preserved daniel's body with an enchantment spell She says that he's dead, but frozen, and kept in her family mausoleum. Archie tells her that if she can't let go of the past, it is doomed to haunt her. Regina abruptly decides the session has been enough and doubts Archie can help her. After leaving, Regina is driving home during a ferocious rainstorm and sees Daniel standing on the sidewalk corner outside her dashboard window. Regina looks away for a moment, and when she looks back, he's gone. 
spooky. The next day, charming Grandpa Himbo takes Henry to the stables where he surprises him with his very own horse. Hot Dad Charming is my favorite thing. He just got Henry a horse. He's easily the best dad on this show. He gets the hot dad crowned. I don't make the rules. I mean, wow. Henry didn't even need to ask for a pony. Charming just guilted himself trying to make up for 10 years of missed birthdays in one fell swoop. Mission accomplished. Good job, Grandpa. Like I said, best dad on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Henry is eager to get on his horse and ride. But Charming says that first, Henry must learn how to care for his steed and build trust between them, which is why Henry will be coming to the stables twice a day, every day, to brush, feed, and muck out the stables. He then leaves Henry at the stables to go check on the dwarves. When Emma and Snow get back, they're just going to be like, uh, dude, you gave him a horse and a part-time job? But Charming doesn't actually teach him proper horse care. He just leaves and is like, figure it out. This poor boy is going to get kicked. He probably figures that Henry is Snow White's grandson and has her Disney princess animal charming abilities. Like he'll just <laughs> sing to the horse and they'll be bros. True. I mean, he should have left him at least like the eyewitness book of horses, you know? Those He's like, you come thorough. from a Disney princess. You're, you're going to be fine. <laughs> just, just, just whistle. You know, just whistle while you work. <laughs> sing, sing him a little song. You'll be good. Smile in a song. Be a little dance number. And by the end of it, you and the horse will be tight. Meanwhile... Regina goes to the mausoleum, only to find Daniel missing. (laughs) In the past, at the Dark Castle, Rumpelstiltskin is at his spinning wheel as Regina putters around waiting for her tutor to begin their lesson. Rumpelstiltskin questions whether Regina is ready. He needles her into confessing what she really wants. Regina reveals that she wants him to teach her to use magic to bring back the dead. Rumpelstiltskin informs her that dead is dead, and even he doesn't have the power to bring back her beloved Daniel. Despondent, Regina mourns that she is at a loss, and Rumpelstiltskin grumbles that his time has been wasted. Death is beyond my reach. Just then, a hot boy appears. Hot boy? Hot goth boy. Hattie Pooh. Jefferson has arrived, casually wondering if Rumpelstiltskin is busy. No, no, nothing important, just ignore her, insists the wizard, elated to receive the goods Jefferson has acquired for him. Jefferson has a crystal ball, but not the slippers, which are what Rumpelstiltskin requested. The slippers were already gone, much to Rumpel's annoyance, as he states he needs them to get to the land without magic. Jefferson doesn't understand why anyone would want that, and asks if Rumpel wants the crystal ball or not. After a moment of internal deliberation, Rumpelstiltskin takes the crystal ball and lets Jefferson choose however much gold he finds appropriate, then tells Regina their work is done. Regina is heartbroken he is giving up on her, but Rumpelstiltskin says, so long as you live in the past, you'll never find your future. He stalks out of his workroom. Well, Jefferson in this scene is just like, (laughs) it's real fucked up in here. (laughs) and yet he fits in so perfectly he does but i like that like he spends most of regina and rumpelstiltskin's interaction just kind of standing behind them with this like yikes look on his face Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's a very animated expressions which i absolutely love where he's just like i don't want to be you right now bitch oh my god (laughs) he's like oh shit girl jefferson stands inches away from a crestfallen regina and startles her when he begs her pardon for eavesdropping. He tells Regina there is someone who can help her, who can bring back the dead, and he would be happy to bring him to her. 
Regina wonders what his price is. Jefferson explains that he is a man of many travels. He has made many enemies along the way and would like a royal passport so that he can be free to traverse through her kingdom. Hilariously, Regina asks how she could do that. When Jefferson says, pardon me, right behind her, it was seriously the funniest shit. It was a really good moment. I mean, it's great because he has absolutely no sense of personal bubble like personal oh, no. space he like is he right is right up on her <laughs> he is right up and his eyeballs are like super white he's like pardon me like he like takes a breath it's great and it's also so that that look that jefferson gives her when he asks for this royal passport and she completely unironically just looks up at him in total blankness and she's like well how would i do that and his eyes get really wide and it just like it's just worth a thousand gifts that it launched it's like it's a look that says this poor dumb bitch is a danger to herself <laughs> he he does frequently kind of look at her with this like oh honey oh honey oh, <laughs> oh yeah. honey i think those are like all the looks he's throwing at her too when rumpelstiltskin's just like mm -hmm. sniping with her it's just like oh honey it's just big oh honey energy over here mm -hmm. yeah she's not used to having any sort of power in her life so she just doesn't even it's not even yeah it's, it's not, not even second on... nature to her to be like Oh yeah, I'm the fucking queen. Like he has to, well, as we will find out, he yes. has to remind her. Yeah, <laughs> Jefferson tactfully reminds Regina that she is the queen. She agrees to his terms and the deal is struck. So the, the, I mean, this whole scene is the most hilarious scene that in, in like the whole show up to now, I, I could watch it on a loop for days. In fact, I did rewind it maybe about three or four times, just catch all the little nuances. All of the blocking by Sebastian and Robert and Lana is absolutely priceless oh and sebastian's insane jefferson facial expressions like be still my crazy hot boy loving heart i also love how playful and flirty jefferson and rumple are with each other like it's like mulan with every woman she shares a scene with they have shameless chemistry with many many characters jefferson has chemistry with everyone yeah like, everyone and rumple and and rumple as rumple does as well mostly like mostly but he's, you know, he's very like charismatic and flirty and dark and weird, you know, with everyone. I mean, with charming, like taking his coat and then flaunting that he has his coat and then and dressing then down a hill in it, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then dressing charming to make him look like all spiffy for when he, you know, has his big moment, you know, waking up snow. Like it's, it's all just absolutely batshit energy. And I love it. In the present day Enchanted Forest, Emma and Mulan ponder and chat about the lone survivor of the attack, who we as the audience know as Hook, but Mulan thinks is a blacksmith who's been here for a few weeks. Emma thinks he's lying. Hook claims he played dead to survive. Emma lets him know about her superpower, but he doubles down. Emma's smile at this moment is just like, you're pretty, but you're definitely not telling the truth. And I'm about to bring the pain. Emma, Mulan, Mary Margaret, and Aurora talk about leaving the ruins and finding a portal. And Hook chimes in that he knows the land well enough to be their guide. Emma grabs him and holds a knife to his throat, demanding to know who he really is. I do love that they don't waste time pretending that like Emma can't see right through him because she has her superpower. Yeah, I will give she them- She reads him immediately. Oh, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think she needs to use her superpower. She just no. looks at him and she's just like, you're like a skeezy Renfair reject. Like mm -hmm. there is no fucking way you are a blacksmith. 
No, it's very good because like Aurora is very much like, what if he's telling the truth? And Emma's uh, just like, he's not. He's not. <laughs> he's not. Wake up. And shut, shut up, kid. I did. <laughs> Dude, I'm triggered. <laughs> Don't talk about sleeping too <laughs> soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. We briefly return to Storybrooke, where Regina searches for Dr. Whale in the psychiatric ward of the hospital. It's very spooky. In the enchanted forest of the past, Regina is impatient as Jefferson leads her to meet the doctor, who we recognize as Dr. Whale, now with an English accent and fancy hair. Is it just me, or did you two find Regina to be rather petulant in this scene, where she's just like, where is this guy? Blah, blah, blah. Is he the blah, blah? She was amazing in this scene. She gives <laughs> Jefferson this side eye, and it's like, perfect. She's like, mm, this sounds like bullshit. It's just <laughs> it's really good. Lana gives such a good face in this scene. Oh, no, no, no. No, her face is great. I'm just talking more about just the voice and like kind of bratty mannerism. Well, she, I think it's still part of this younger Regina, right? Yeah, that's true. The doctor then proceeds to examine Daniel and states that his condition is ideal. Regina says it's a preservation spell. As further details are revealed, Regina grows sus and discovers that the procedure is experimental and has yet to be performed successfully. The doctor needs a strong enough heart to survive the procedure and believes that the enchanted forest has magic hearts that are strong enough for just this operation. Jefferson explains that people who practice the dark arts rip out the hearts while they are still beating, but Regina refuses to use magic for evil. Just as the doctor thinks his time was wasted, Regina says she knows where to find an enchanted heart and who can help them. In present day Storybrooke, Regina discovers Dr. Whale in one of the destroyed operating rooms lying on the floor, with his left arm having been savagely ripped away. She demands to know why he took Daniel in a heart. Did he bring Daniel back? Dr. Whale confirms he did, but it went wrong and that Daniel is now a monster. Oh, come on. He would have totally bled out by now. This episode's a real violent one, y'all. Cora slaughters the whole town. Dr. Whale gets his arm ripped off. Damn. Yeah, this is this is one of those episodes where they decide, oh, we are not for children. Yeah, this is the, the whole punching through the whole chest thing again. Yeah, it's just like just, a, the shepherd. Oof, this is violent. <laughs> Yep, just out of nowhere, we're just gonna decide that we actually want to be Game of Thrones light. In the past, Regina draws the men's attention towards the stone hearth belonging once to Cora. They listen to the beating of several dozen hearts steadily grow as Regina leads the Doctor and Jefferson to Cora's secret vault to pick out an enchanted heart. Whose hearts are these? Jefferson asks warily. Regina has no idea. She calls her mother a monster. The Doctor chooses a heart taking the box from its alcove. Jefferson, when he goes, who hearts are these? And his face while he says it is pure comedy gold. Yeah, he's just like, ooh, like <laughs> totally freaked out. Yeah. Sebastian Stan is just the best. He's so good. I wish there was like a YouTube compilation that was just Jefferson reacts to things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there. I hope so, because I would watch that because honestly... He has the best facial expressions. He's, He's so wonderful. Good. Outside of a hospital room, Regina watches as Dr. Whale is being tended to for his injuries. Charming arrives and demands to know what is going on, as he believes she is culpable for Dr. Whale's current condition. Instead, she reveals what Dr. Whale did to Daniel and how he was revived using an enchanted heart. 
Regina has no idea whose heart he took, as she took so many, it was impossible to keep track. She wants to go find Daniel. You know, investing in a label maker is never a bad idea, friends. David won't allow her to do so without telling him where he might be. She strongly believes Daniel is acting similar to how David reacted coming out of his coma and may have gone to the last place he remembers. Into the woods with his bare ass. <laughs> oh, there he goes. Into the woods with his bare ass. <laughs> she guesses Daniel is at the stables, which causes David to worry since that is where Henry currently is. Meanwhile, at the stables, Henry is grooming his horse. Suddenly, the other horses begin panicking in alarm. Henry's horse is startled as well and knocks the boy off his stool as it runs out of the stall. A shadow appears outside the stall as Daniel approaches Henry. In the present day Enchanted Forest, Hook insists to Emma he's merely a blacksmith, even as she ties him to a tree. She whistles for ogres and the women begin walking away, which persuades him to be honest with them. He spills the beans on Cora's plans with the ashes of the wardrobe. He offers to help them find a way back to Storybrook in exchange for not being left behind with the ogres. The catch is that he gets to go through the portal as well, revealing he wants revenge on Rumpelstiltskin. Emma's just like, fair enough, that checks out. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Storybrook, Daniel moves closer to Henry as Henry reaches out to placate him prompting Daniel to have a flashback of Cora reaching out to take his heart. This trigger causes Daniel to choke Henry as Regina and David rush in. Regina immediately begins begging him to let Henry go, and Daniel drops the boy. David picks up Henry to make sure he's okay and then tells him to run. After Henry is gone, Daniel dashes for Regina, but David pushes her out of the way and shuts the stall. He tells her to use magic, but she refuses to use magic on Daniel. So he pulls out his gun. She <laughs> I mean, hot kinda. I mean, and let's be real, the the apple doesn't fall from the tree. I know that was a big Emma move right there. Uh-huh. That one she does it too. She desperately begs David to let her speak to him, insisting Daniel will listen to her. In the enchanted forest of the past, the doctor performs the surgery on Daniel in an operation tent during a lightning storm while Jefferson and Regina wait outside. Jefferson tells Regina that the doctor wields a power greater than magic, and that if he cannot bring back the dead, then no one can. After literally five seconds and a lightning strike, the doctor is finished and exits to inform Regina that the procedure was unsuccessful. Grief-stricken, Regina hurries into the tent and rests her head on Daniel's chest, which is covered by stain-free clothes. That literally took five seconds. What kind of quackery is this? Dude doesn't even have gloves on and that's super unhygienic. And there's no, there's no blood anywhere or not blood because I mean, like, okay, so Daniel wouldn't be actively bleeding, but I mean, he cut his finger and the preservation soul seems to have preserved like the flow of blood. I don't know. I don't understand. All I know is it's fucking quackery. Yeah. Well, he doesn't do anything. He literally does nothing. And that's the point. Like it's an entire charade and it's so shitty. And like Regina showed them a whole crypt full of hearts. He could have just asked for multiple ones instead of not even trying to bring Daniel back. And I suppose we find out in a few minutes why he doesn't even try. So I won't say that yet, but ugh, it's so frustrating. God, God damn, Mr. Doctor. Mr. Doctor? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want to give away who he was yet. I know, but Mr. Doctor is what you 
went with. God damn the doctor. God damn Mr. Doctor. <laughs> I, I feel like this is definitely a moniker that the doctor from Doctor Who has actually taken on. Mr. Doctor. Mr. Mr. Doctor. doctor. Yeah. He would have at least tried to bring Daniel back. Oh, absolutely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back in present-day Storybrooke, Regina enters the stall to approach Daniel, who begins to choke her. She whispers her love for him, and he releases her before they embrace moments later. He is in tremendous pain and wishes to die, begging Regina to let him go. Regina protests, saying without him she is lost, and that she loves him. He pleads with her to love again before he reverts to his monstrous state forcing Regina to use magic to make him disappear into nothing. Regina is left heartbroken. Poor bootleg Alexis Denisoff just can't catch a break. Really mm. can't. Mm -mm. In the present day Enchanted Forest, Hook leads the women through the forest whilst Emma and Mary Margaret talk about staying one step ahead of Cora and Hook. They come to a halt to gaze across a field at a giant beanstalk. Hook informs the group of an enchanted compass at the top of the beanstalk, guarded by a giant. Also in this scene, Snow takes Aurora's hand to help her over the logs in the forest, and it's adorable. It's such a cute little moment. It was very cute. It was very pure. Mm -hmm. Princesses helping princesses. Mm -hmm. In the past enchanted forest, Regina, now dressed in black to announce her official chaotic evil goth face, Intrudes on a training session Rumpelstiltskin is having with a new apprentice, Trish, because he needed someone more dedicated. Insulted, Regina proves her dedication by tearing out Trish's heart and crushes it right before Rumpelstiltskin, who looks very impressed by Regina's new attitude. Uncle Stiltskin is so proud. He's super proud. He's like, my little girl's all grown up and doing murder. We briefly return to Storybrooke, where a tearful Regina returns to Archie's office. Miserably, she admits to Archie that she used magic. He welcomes her into his office to finish their session. You know, if they're going this hard for the drug allegory, Archie may as well establish a chip system. Back in the enchanted forest, Jefferson leads the doctor through the woods, the latter demanding to be taken home as their deal is done. The deal isn't done until he says it's done, says Jefferson, referring to Rumpelstiltskin, who appears to say their deal is nearly complete. It is revealed that Regina was set up to believe the doctor had legitimately tried to bring back Daniel and had ultimately failed as a result, causing her heartbreak in return to bring out the evil Rumpelstiltskin knows she possesses so that she would be dedicated enough to become his apprentice. As payment for his services, the doctor receives an enchanted heart from Rumpelstiltskin. The two snipe over whether magic is the most dependable source of power. Rumpelstiltskin places a wager that the doctor will need magic in the future, but the latter disagrees. Upon Rumpelstiltskin's permission, Jefferson opens the portal to take the doctor home. 
as Rumpelstiltskin reminds the doctor that all magic comes with a price. It's been a while since we talked about how hot Jefferson is, and I think this is a very good time to bring that up. I just need to say that oh, this scene is full of big bisexual energy. Umph, umph. Like, I can only assume that the reason why we don't get any further scenes with Rumpel and Jefferson is because the censors considered them too horny to air on ABC. It is true that Jefferson is unreasonably hot in this scene, and I am grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But also this scene, I I honestly don't know how how I feel about it. How I feel about that Regina's final transition to embracing the dark side only happened because three men behind the scenes used her emotions and trauma and and her love essentially against her like damn first her mom controlled her and then you know king leopold starts keeping her as a pretty bird in this cage being like i dress my daughter and my, my wife both in white they match look how pretty they are and now this like trio of fantasy fuck boys have been pulling the strings to like have this final push for her right to become become the evil queen we know and it's it's not actually regina's own agency and it's interesting that's yeah, fucked up it's absolutely fucked up yeah yeah i don't know and i don't know how i feel about it because i don't know if if having this set up actually makes her redemption story work better because you can look back to how she got to where she was and there's a lot this trail of manipulation along the way yeah i'm rooting more for her to come back from it yes that's what that's the impression that i get anyway yeah i think i think that's the intention here is to make us feel more for regina and that i think i guess that succeeded because i actually i remember the first time around and this time too i i do actually like i i i think i feel more for regina than a lot of those other episodes that have tried to make me feel for her like this one actually succeeded i think in season one they went real hard on regina like this bitch is evil and i think we've even mentioned this before that in season two they're kind of backpedaling yeah and being like okay i think we we went a little too hard like we turned it to 11 and we should have been operating at like a seven you know mm-hmm. and now so they're backpedaling to set up um a legitimate redemption arc of regina finally taking agency yeah and that's not to say that like you know her actions later aren't her own damn fault because you know it's like where does this like cycle sort of end you know of like cause and effect and other people taking advantage of other people's weaknesses you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. it's just like this never-ending trail of the disenfranchised getting fucked over or people having their agency taken away of, and then like abusing other people. Yeah. Well, she becomes every monster that was in her life before. Right. Yeah, exactly. And Rumpelstiltskin becomes every monster that the dagger took over, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. It's like this, this horrendous cycle that someone finally has to say like, no, this is not right. And I'm going to change, you know, which they're doing with Regina right now. In present day Storybrooke, Dr. Whale and his igloo cooler, that it's definitely not filled with sandwiches, stumble into Mr. Gold's pawn shop. Walking down Main Street with a bloody cooler is super casual. The most casual. He's just going on a little picnic. He demands Mr. Gold to reattach his torn arm. Rumpelstiltskins asks why the doctor decided to bring back Daniel. It was in hopes of regaining Regina's favor, so that she would return him to his world, and he can try to bring back his brother again. 
Buddy, I feel like you actually didn't think this through at all. <laughs> the first time apparently ended badly. <laughs> He's like, it's never worked before. And last time was a catastrophe. I'm going to do it again. It'll be better. It's like, you're an idiot. It's like, I've got 1980s science. Fucking moron. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin will not reattach the doctor's arm until he wins his wager. Swallowing his pride, the doctor begrudgingly admits he needs magic. Satisfied by his admittance, Mr. Gold reattaches the limb to Dr. Whale's body with a languid wave of his hand. As the doctor admires his newly attached arm, Rumpel says, Always a pleasure doing business with you, Victor. Rumpelstiltskin really is a petty little bitch. That's why I love him. We cut to the land without color, to Victor returning home to his castle. His assistant, Igor, has the laboratory all prepared as his master shows him the enchanted heart, the only colorized item. Utilizing the lightning storm outside and the magic heart, Victor attempts to resurrect his deceased brother. It's alive, Victor whispers in awe as he realizes the operation is a success. It's magic, Dr. Frankenstein. No, not magic, says Dr. Victor Frankenstein. Science! And credits. Weird science. Okay, I know Dr. Whale is no one's favorite character, but this is a really solid episode. Like, The Land Without Color is a great twist, along with Victor's reveal. Like, I had no clue who this motherfucker was. I was just like, the first time I ever watched Once Upon a Time, it was legitimately bothering me that I couldn't figure out who he was because everyone else was fairly obvious and he wasn't. And I just assumed because his name, Dr. Whale, I was like, is he the whale from Pinocchio? Like, yes. is he Monstro? Like, that's, yes. that's just kind of like- and he's going to eat August and become my favorite character. <laughs> Oh it my is God. a Hannibal episode. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Hannibal episode. I, I just like it just bugged me. And then when they revealed that he was Victor Frankenstein, I mean, obviously, like they get this one pretty close to the vest until season two, which I appreciate. So it, it's it's a nice reveal. And I'm like, oh, cool. I like the fact that they expanded their IPs and it's not just limited to Disney, you know, and that he comes from, yeah, like this black and white world. It's so cool. Seeing Jefferson in all his full thieving glory was also a bonus, though it is an absolute travesty that this is the last official Sebastian Stan appearance. Boo. I don't like the trio of fantasy fuckboys and their fuckery, but it does, it reels Regina's previous, like, unredeemable crimes back backward a little like I don't know it's really hard to watch an episode like this where you desperately desperately want to cuddle her and feel for her and be like oh you know and I and I can do that and then I still have to reconcile with what the kind of evil they made her do in heart is a lonely hunter and heart is a lonely hunter right there can be all the redemption arcs in the world you can't walk back that you can't walk that back right exactly Like there's, there's definitely like, I get that it makes a lot of her actions more sympathetic, like seeing that this is where it stemmed. But like, I think the writers don't really understand that there's some stuff that it's like, no, that's a black mark. You don't come back from. Yeah, yeah exactly. That is, a, yeah, and they don't, exactly. they absolutely don't understand because they repeat this. Yeah. Cause they do yeah. it again. 
Right. If they had never repeated it again, I would be like, okay, they learned their lesson. They swept it under whatever. Right. But because it becomes like its own disgusting trope, trope. it becomes a trope in this show. I'm just like, uh, I don't think you understand this as well as you think you do yeah i think it's it's a it's like a let's use this for shock value without Uh, actually understanding the very real trauma that it's preying on yeah morons yeah (sighs) so lynn what did what did you like about this episode so i did like the frankenstein's world is all black and white but it had this like stereotypical like canned halloween music playing during it i like, love that and i was like oh this is a bit ham i love that <laughs> like it felt like going into a spirit halloween store in the early 90s before they just played top 40s and they like would instead just play like weird halloween sound effects soundtracks on loop I loved it so it would just be like chains rattling and wailing noises yes yes <laughs> that's what it felt like and i was like oh we're going ham <laughs> we're going we're going full ham here i did love his delivery of it's alive like he whispered it rather than like shouted oh other than doing the really like stereotypical it's alive alive." yeah yeah i really thought that that was a much more nuanced take on that i mean with the fucking clown shoes halloween music (laughs) like something has to be understated in the yeah because yeah, exactly. nothing else was everything else was so over the top that they were like okay maybe we gotta actually rein the acting in a little yeah <laughs> god other than that i feel like really all i had to say about this episode was how hot charming hook and jefferson were like it's not a bad episode but that was really all i had is i was like boys hot question hot. mark <laughs> yeah yeah. Profit, 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 much profit. That's what much, that's much what profit. The writer is hot. Boys, hot. Profit. The casting director said exactly. Boys hot profit. I agree. I think this is. I think this is a pretty solid one. I love the visual style and the camp of the land without color. I like the reveal of of who Doctor Whale really is. Um, I like that we got to see a glimpse of Jefferson before he was Goth Dad. I love that we have these further insights into Regina. I think the first time around, the first time I watched this episode, this is the one that actually like first really got me on board with Regina's redemption. And yes, there are things that can never be redeemed. Absolutely never be redeemed. And I'm definitely not a Regina apologist, but it it is interesting to see her strings finally cut. Years and years later, she she now has a chance to learn to be a new version of herself, to not just be molded into the shape of Cora or the shape of Rumpelstiltskin. She's no longer has to be in the shape of those who tormented her. And it's, uh, and I think a big part of her journey is Regina finding her own agency. And I think that's really the core of her redemption arc here. So yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we're, you know, this is a big start of, of a journey through season two and uh, three, four, five, Probably six, seven onward. I don't know. I never saw those two. But yeah, this is a pretty good one. All right. Costumes. So we only get to see this like outfit briefly when young Regina visits the preserved Daniel in his casket. But she's wearing this gorgeous white cape with thousands of little pearl beads sewn in on it. And it has like a smaller version of the high collars she'll be eventually embracing. There's a promotional still that shows a little bit more of the length of it, but I mean, it's just, it's so fabulous. And I really wish that uh, we had a full clear shot of it 
because you could tell that like a lot of work went into that. I don't know if she ever wears it again because we get more young Regina, like pre pre evil Regina, but I don't I don't know if I, we ever see this again. I don't know. I hope so. Jefferson's rose embossed leather trim on his coat is absolutely stunning. I mean, he's a stunning man, so he could be wearing a burlap sack and I'd be like, yes, yes, couture, yes. <laughs> I also really adore Regina's apprentice outfit, like just a casual linen blouse with a brown leather belted jerkin, I think, over it. Um, I do wish it was over trousers rather than a skirt, but whatever. Yeah. I love her apprentice outfit, especially since the colors and the constructions, if you look at like the stitching on the back mm-hmm. are so similar to Rumpelstiltskin. It's this, just this other visual layer of Rumpelstiltskin trying to mold her into his own image. And, and, you know, this episode and a lot of these early seasons are all about him controlling her moves behind the scenes without her knowing it. And this outfit is just like another nice visual piece of that story. So that's well, very true. I did not catch on to that until you said that so it's time to play who's that guest star in which we talk about reoccurring cast members and guest stars in season two episode five we have david anders as dr whale american-born actor david anders is best known for his roles as julian sark in alias adam monroe in heroes yosef bazhav in 24 Troy Cutler in Necessary Roughness, John Gilbert in The Vampire Diaries, and Blaine De Beers in I, Zombie. Also, fun fact, why is Dr. Whale named Dr. Whale? Because the director of the original 1931 Universal Pictures film, Frankenstein, was James Whale. So that is why he is called Dr. Whale. He is not, in fact, Monstro. He could be disappointed. <laughs> well, you know, be. enough people are multiple things on this show. Exactly. That's true. Like Mr. Gold is Rumpelstiltskin and the crocodile and the beast. I think I think Dr. Frankenstein could also <laughs> be Monstro. I think we're on to something here. I, I think you you guys only want this so that way he can eat August. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time to take a trip down once upon a timeline lane. I got nothing. All right, this episode's flashback actually pick up after the flashbacks we only just recently saw in season two, episode two, We Are Both, as those flashbacks show Regina as she becomes Rumpelstiltskin's apprentice. And of course, at the end of this episode, we see Regina fully flip the switch to full dark side and commit her very first murder. Finally becoming the evil queen we see in season one, episode 11, Fruit of the Poisonous Tree, which flashbacks follow those we see in this one, with likely a few years between this and Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. Also, since we have to say goodbye to Sebastian Stan and Jefferson, I'd like to send out one more hot boy. Hot boy. Hot boy. Miss you, Jefferson. Miss you. Miss you. Miss you already. He was too good and too pure for this the show. Circus. <laughs> yeah. The circus. Yeah. Yeah. He had fucking clown shoes that we have going on here. <laughs> he had to go on and do Winter Soldier there. Yeah. The best MCU well, movies. Once upon a time could no longer afford him. That's that's for damn sure. All right. So it's time to drown our sorrows of Jefferson leaving us and move on to next time on Once Upon a Rewatch with the hopes of finding a magical compass that could help her and Mary Margaret get back to Storybrooke. Emma takes a journey with a not too trustworthy Captain Hook up a treacherous beanstalk 
in an attempt to steal the item from a murderous giant. Meanwhile, Emma's past is revealed to be anything but magical when she meets up with a fellow thief. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the narrators three. The moral of this episode is fantasy fuckboys will ruin your life. You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at once upon rewatch. On Instagram at once upon rewatch. On Tumblr at once upon a rewatch If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. Our artwork for the podcast was done by Laichi Ruru. That's L-A-I-C-H-I-R-U-R-U at twitter.com. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. And we want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairytale Waltz. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Sorry. His castle, Victor. His castle, castle. His castle, also named, also named Victor. Victor. <laughs> because he's not very creative. <laughs> His Welcome dog to Victor is castle. also named Victor. <laughs>